He's to the 45. He's oh, to he's the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in the midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the run. Alright guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kamiya Morabian, joined by Andy Facemeyer from the Smoking Musket. Andy, how is life? How, how are you doing, man? I'm doing okay, like I was saying right before we came on air. Uh, uh, could have been a better sports weekend for me, but um, yeah, yeah. So, you know how that is. But, uh, you know, I... I I'm doing okay. It's nice here in flag. So, so let's just like let's 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 dive on into it. Let's talk about the game. But before like we before we talk about the game, let's dive on to some stats. So third down statistics: West Virginia's four fourteen, OU goes five of thirteen. Passing yards: Oklahoma at two fifty six, West Virginia one seventy nine. Rushing yards: West Virginia outgained OU by ten on that. 67 rushing yards to Oklahoma's 57. Uh, not a lot of yards put up in this game. Not offensive at all. Uh, offensive. The game was offensive to watch, but not offensive at all in, in the least. And time of possession I thought was really interesting because the Mountaineers dominated time of possession in the first half and then came out really uh, only six minutes ahead at the very end of the game. So, of course, OU defense kind of asserted some sort of dominance or some sort of control, not necessarily dominance, but control as the game went on after that first really 10-minute eating drive from the from the Mountaineers. So give it to me straight. What, what are your what are your knee-jerk reactions to this West Virginia OU game? Typically they're more chippy. Yeah, they're usually more chippy. I think some of that is like that a lot of that came out of like staff. But there were a lot of ties on the staff between when Dana's, you know, Dana's coaching staff. Mm-hmm. There was the, there was, you know, a, a lot of the O line had played for Benden Baugh, who who aren't there anymore. I think that really was part of it too. Um, <clears throat> so I think there was just like, I think some of the chippiness like that has gone away, uh, and and I'm I'm okay with that because I thought that we did ourselves a disservice by pissing Oklahoma off a couple times um, <clears throat> when we, we probably didn't need to. Uh, so, but my, my kind of, you know, instant reactions, and I said this, you know, on Twitter last night, I wasn't going to be mad. Um, and I'm, I'm, I thought, you know, to come in as like a 17 point dog and have had a fourth quarter lead, had opportunities to win the game, I can't be mad about that. I feel like we had a lot of missed opportunities, um, but probably the most competitive we've been against Oklahoma since 2012, which, you know, that's a long time ago. That's almost a decade ago. Was so I feel like was we're... that the Trevor Knight year a long time ago. Like that was the Tavon Austin game. Oh, okay. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Yep. That That's it. The 60, yeah, the ABC crew made it a point to bring up all of Oklahoma's past horrible memories 
and including the Tavon Austin game, which they they did. Oklahoma won that game, but they're like, yeah, guys, remember when the schooner tipped over? Remember when OU got beat the hell out of in the college football playoff? Remember when they lost against Texas Tech in 2011? Remember that West Virginia game? And we're all just like, why are you? And then, of course, at the very end of the game, saying, oh, Gabe Burkett, this guy never misses a kick as to like almost jinx this guy. Like just, just like on purpose, the ABC crew there. But uh, what what other knee-jerk reactions do you have? Like, I'm I'm glad, I'm thankful for, and I I feel bad for this dude. The amount of crap he's probably going through. West Virginia center that he has a snap infraction, and then the next thing you know, it's a wild snap, or was it was the quarterback wasn't expecting the snap, and it, it gets them out of field goal range to where the the Sooners are able to actually go and eventually get the ball and drive that on the last possession. But what else do you have? Yeah, I feel bad for Zach. He's a good kid and he's, he's been pretty good. I think one of the problems that we've seen, we saw it last week, saw it again this week with trying to run two quarterbacks is being able to like the snap consistency of that. And that's, that's an issue, but especially when you've got two guys, one who's like five foot nine and one who's like six foot three. So like, it's a little bit of a difference for like how you're going to snap it. Um, they've also have, they both have a different cadence. So, you know, I feel bad for Zach, but I think that's something we got to work on. But, you know, like I said, I felt like we, we played really well. Um, Could have, if we had something that resembled a second half offense um, would have felt a lot better about it. I think we had like 69 yards of offense in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, yeah, OU had, OU had 91 total total yards of offense in the first half, and 38 of those were on that fourth down conversion. Play, so you yeah. take that away, it's like 50-something yards. Yeah, so I thought it was, you know, I think the biggest takeaway for, for us, for WVU fans, but I think really everyone in this conference is it's wide open. I mean, I think that you could see any one of the nine teams not named Kansas uh, you know, any two of those teams playing in Dallas for the title game. I think my gut feeling is that Oklahoma will be there. Um, but there's no reason why we couldn't or why uh, Oklahoma State couldn't or Texas couldn't or even mm-hmm. Iowa State or Baylor or even, you know, I don't think Kansas State, I think, they're, I think they've got trouble. Um, but, you know, there's no reason why on a given night that they can't win a game. I think the big the Big Twelve is probably the most open it has been in a long, long time. Uh, so you know, I don't, I'm not predicting that that's where we're going to end up at, but I don't, I think we could uh, if if things came together. So you know, I, it's it felt like a gut punch to lose that way, but you know, and, and our players reacted this way on Twitter. There was a whole bunch of people, whole bunch of whole bunch of especially the D line guys, but even some of the offensive guys who are like, we're going to see. We're, we're excited to be able to, you know, maybe see that we want to play Oklahoma again in Dallas. So they weren't, it didn't seem like they were broken in the way that that game could break you. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I thought, you know, missed opportunity, uh, which is the story of, of WV football uh, for about oh, the whole history of WV football. So, um, but no, the insights, it's it's interesting because I, I agree. I was thinking about that today. I was thinking, man, 
West Virginia, Baylor, they have a tough defense. Texas looks pretty sharp, but at the same time, I mean, like Texas got dog walked by Arkansas, and we're really going to gloat about Texas after defeating a Texas Tech team that still is just not good uh, defensively. Uh, Really, anybody else not named, you know, I guess Texas Tech or Kansas could eventually make their way, I guess, supposed into the Big 12 title game. I mean, we saw Iowa State lose to Baylor. And, and, and Dave Aranda is doing a lot of really good defensive things over there. So my question to you is this through the eyes of somebody that covers and watches West Virginia, what did you see from the West Virginia side of things that were both good and bad? Yeah. So our our defense is as legit as I thought it was. Um, You know, I think that, 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 but what impressed me too, and, and this is maybe an Oklahoma question that I have, kind of like in the back of my head for you guys going forward. But um, separate of that, I was really impressed with how well our secondary played. I knew that our defensive front was legit, like one of the best in the, in the conference, Mm -hmm. but I was really, really, really impressed by how well our secondary did at keeping, like not letting, you know, guys get, get open deep. We didn't have one of those like, just howlers defensively that we're WVU has kind of gotten used to having over the years, especially against Oklahoma. Uh, you know, you guys have just have had tremendous wide receiver talent over the years. And so I was really impressed with that. Um, you know, different defensive line played, you know, I thought terrifically. Um, I think we just asked too much of them there at the end. Uh, you could tell they were gassed at the end of the game. You I could think we tell they were gassed. I think our biggest issue is that we don't have a ton of depth. And when your offense can't do anything that hurts you. So I think that was the, that was the, to me was the, the positive was that defense played excellent um, and that they're really, really good and that they're going to carry us through quite a bit of this season. Um, Offensively, you know, I don't know what's wrong with, with uh with 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 do, do, uh Dagi. I just and it wasn't it's it's hard to like get a, a handle on it too because if you look at the three most important offensive miscues right none of them involved him <laughs> like right. oh well one of them technically did but I I, I put it on the snapper um because one was a a, a, a false start uh, on the one yard line, which he wasn't even on the field for. Um, the second was that snap infraction, which he wasn't on the field for. And then the 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 miss snap, um, which I think he just snapped it too soon. Like I think he's I think the the um, I think Zach snapped it before he was ready to get it. So it's hard for me to put that on Jarrett. So it's hard to like get a handle because he also just our offense just when it's off script, when we were on script, so the two drives that we had scripted, we went 30 plays, two touch or two score 10 points, and ran off like 20 some minutes a clock. Yeah. The other unscripted drives, nowhere close to that. Sounds so uh, that's sounds like a, a problem that's familiar with OU. Yeah, it's a concern, I think, for us in the second half 
uh, has this is like the three out of four games we have kind of shit the bed in the second half Mm -hmm. uh, on offense. So there's some concerns, but uh, you know, like I said, I think you know for us to go into Norman and have a shot to win it, I can't. Yeah, I can't be too hard about it because that's not something that we have really ever done. And and top five teams, we've never beaten a top five team on the road. Um, and really have not been super close to it before either. So can't be too mad. I mean, we talked about it Wednesday and we talked about how we could see the game being like 14 to seven, or it was what, what 10 to seven and a half. And that West Virginia could hang around for a minute. And you said, you know, you expected maybe OU to take off from there and close the game. And I said, well, I don't know. Like <laughs> if the game's that close, I, I, th- I think it could be a, a real like punch fist fight toward the end of the game and it really was you know it was a defensive battle it's something that you haven't seen in the big 12 since the early 2000s and from my point of view i mean that was the that was my major question mark heading into this game and my major fear i guess heading into this game that on west virginia's side that was good was their defensive line ou's offensive line has shown Nothing but being abysmal, uh, other than the Western Carolina team that they paid to come into Norman to keep beat their butts and get get reps after reps after reps. Uh, it was a good defense. They, play, they played well. They played sound. They were in the right spots. They they read Spencer Rattler's eyes. They were able to uh, keep the big play from happening. There were a couple of times where Oklahoma was that was able to take a deep shot and they were open. But if Rattler had a little bit more time to throw the ball with more some more accuracy on the ball. They maybe would have hit on a couple of deep balls, but otherwise it was tough sledding the entire night. Couldn't run the ball that well at all. They had like what one good one good run play, and it was like eight yards. The other one yeah. was just like a shovel pass or some sort of screen to Eric Gray, and that was third the 38 yarder on the fourth down conversion in the first half. Otherwise, I mean West Virginia's offense, not good. Uh, the, from what I saw, they weren't that great when they were. They were a lot better when they were able to run RPOs with Green in. Uh, they were a lot yeah. better with that than they were with Digi in. And and of course, you know, they had those crossing routes open over the middle, and not the entire time, but they did have them open. But they were definitely more dangerous when they had a more mobile quarterback in that gave them options to hand the ball off because Oklahoma's linebackers. That's kind of a suspect issue going on there too, along with, you know, Oklahoma's defense. They played relatively well, but the good thing I saw from West Virginia was their defensive line, like we expected. Dante Stills is a guy that's going to be drafted in the first three, four rounds, two, three, four rounds in the NFL draft. It's very good, very impressive. Kicked O's ass all night, and towards the end of the game, you only saw OU be able to run the ball a little bit more. Because you saw those same guys play after play after play, whereas OU's just rotating in fresh bodies. And by the end of the game, they're gassed. And so Oklahoma was able to lean on them a little bit at the end of the game, but not too much. Um, but through your eyes from covering West Virginia, I mean, this is your first look at OU. You, you, you've known that Oklahoma struggled with Tulane. You've known that Oklahoma struggled with Nebraska. Uh, what, what's the good and bad for what you saw from Oklahoma? So I thought your defense was, you know, I think your defense is good. I think uh, the work that that Alex Grinch has done there is hard to deny, compared to you know having having watched what what uh, what passed for defense uh, in the the 
the Mike Stoops <laughs> the, era. Yeah. In the Mike Stoops era. Um, so I thought your defense played played really well and, and um was able to to take it was able to get a lot of pressure on us, um, you know, which didn't make our day easier. Um the offense, it's it's hard for me to like get a handle on like what's what the funk is. There's definitely like something there. And I can't quite tell. I mean, I think the offensive line is definitely suspect. But I think the other issue is, and, and maybe I'm 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 wrong about this, but it feels like you guys don't have that like, you know, that that huge big number one wide receiver that you you, you know we've we've seen out of Oklahoma. That's whether the question. it was you know yeah. whether it was Westbrook, C.D. Lamb. Yeah, um, Sterling Shepard and all those Sterling dudes. Shepard, you know, one of those dudes who could just like absolutely burn you was a big body and you you had to scheme around him. I think also not having, you know, necessarily a big tight end that you can, you know, that was one of the things I thought that 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 Lincoln really schemed well was with tight ends. Mm-hmm. Didn't really see too much of that. Um and obviously the running game is <laughs> And so why, why, why I bring that up is like, it's hard for me to tell how much of it is, is Spencer Rattler not being, you know, next level good, or is it the pieces around him aren't as good. Right. Um, You know, he doesn't have, you know, I don't think you have like a, a, I don't think you've got a big, big rushing threat this year. Um, and it's hard to run behind a running back that doesn't have, you know, it's hard to run behind a, an offensive line that's that's trash, right? Right. So um, yeah, that that's the big problem. That is like legitimately legitimately hard to do. Yeah, point um, out two glaring issues that a lot of Sooners fans have talked about is the offensive line and really no go-to guy at the wide receiver position. Those are two things. Yeah, like I think Marvin Mims is a is a really good wide receiver i would love to have him on my team but is he that like star player who elevates your quarterback play right like if you think about the the heisman winning quarterbacks not just at oklahoma but you know at other programs over the last you know decade they usually also had a first round nfl what caliber wide receiver that they're throwing to so you know, it's it's hard for me to like put it all on Spencer Rattler, um, but I also saw from him. I don't, I don't know. I I don't think he is where people thought he was at the beginning of the season. Like, I think that's fair to say at this point that he's not Heisman Trophy finalist ready yet. Yeah, I've already I've already mentioned. I've said. You know, this next summer is going to be a hell of a QB battle between Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler because I don't think he's good enough to come out to the NFL draft yet. I don't see, think he made I, that it, jump. It'll it'll be interesting to see, and it'll also be interesting to see if you guys continue to struggle, right? Mm-hmm. How long of a leash Lincoln gives him. And if Lincoln pulls him, you know, if you guys get into a, a situation where you're struggling like in a Red River rivalry or um, you know, against, you know, some of the other better defenses, does he pull him and what does Spencer Rattler do? You know, does he look to the transfer window? Right. 
Right. You know, like it's, and I think that's a really interesting test. I think you've got probably one of the best coaches in the country to handle that kind of a situation. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I think that's an interesting, I think that's to me, if I were, if I were like a neutral fan and, and was just covering the big 12, that's a storyline I would want to keep my eye on is like, how does that situation develop? Cause we saw it with those chants, like the fan base is like, they're a little spoiled. I will say, I will just, just say that um, I would kill to have Spencer Rattler on my team at this point, but yeah, uh, I get it. I get it. I do understand, you know, they, there's an expectation. Uh, so let's move on. Let's move on to that. Do, so. do you think he, do you think Spencer Rattler deserved to be booed? I, I don't like that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think that, and, and, and uh, Bob Huggins put this in, in a tweet last night about some people who were giving like Zach, a hard time for WBU. I, I don't, I don't like booing my own team, let alone the players, like and picking out college players who aren't getting paid to, to like who are being, <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't, I, you want to boo the coaches. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that, but picking on an individual, like he's a 20 year old kid. Yeah. Like, I just, I, and I don't think that helps you. Right. Like, I don't think right. that that, you know, it may have driven him to play better, but it also could have broken him. Like that could have broken him very easily and broke, like that's just, you know, instead of being four and oh, you're, you're three and one and, and looking down the barrel of the big 12 with, you know, a loss, a home loss, which as we know, you know, you gotta, you gotta win at home. Right. So. No, it, it's definitely a thing because you got to consider, I mean, these are, these are young kids and, and I, I, I often, and I want to gauge your opinion on this. Do you think now that the players are able to earn their own money, uh, do the NIL name, image likeness, and that Spencer Rattler, of course, with a lot of other bigger names, are out there, you know, getting deals from Raising Canes and car companies, yada yada. Do you think because these players are able actually to earn money off their likeness, that now people are being like, well, you're a professional now, so deal with it? Do you think there's some sense of that? Uh, I, I I get the sense, and I, I don't like to be too harsh or too negative, but I, to be perfectly honest, I get the sense that people who are willing to do that in the first place typically probably had that opinion before anyway. That's um, a good point. You know, I just think that, I don't know, it's just, I don't, I prefer to be positive about my own team. Um, yeah, I, I, and I say this because depending on what happens next week for WVU, we could be in a very similar situation of the fans booing Jarrett Dagey uh, and asking for, for, uh, for Garrett Green. Like it will not shock me at all to see that next week. If we struggle early against Texas tech Mm -hmm. um, for there to be it, assuming that, that Garrett doesn't start, which I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, so like being perfectly honest, I could be dealing with the same, the same experience next week. Although again, there's a little bit of a difference to me between booing Jared Dagey and a guy who's a Heisman trophy candidate. Right. right? Like, um, so yeah, like, like I said, I just think that the, the people need to take a step back and, and just be positive and try to be nice to folks, you know? All right. So. Before we before we get before we get out of here, before we get you out of here, I can't talk. 
Did we learn anything from either side, or is this just a moot game where, like you said, you tweeted at me during the game, where it's like the, these teams can't get out of their own way. We we discussed this on Wednesday. We're discussing it again on Sunday. Did we lo- actively learn anything other than OU's offensive line, not good. The OU, uh, West Virginia's defensive line, like we all thought, good. Anything else? I think we learned more about like our place in the world based upon the rest of the college football world, like being in flux this, this, um, this year. So I think that what we learned is that, like I said earlier, I think that the big 12 is wide open, that, that there is no team that is far and away better than anybody else. Um, and so I think what we learned is that there's a lot of work for, for these coaches to, to do and these guys to do over the next couple of weeks. And that's going to be a fun season and that we should be prepared for some crazy stuff. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I, I got out of it. I mean, like I said, it was a wild week of football, um, you know, with a bunch of top 25 teams going down, you know, Clemson's two and two, they haven't been two and two. They haven't lost two games in September, I think, in probably like huh. a decade. I, th- I thought they um, were a blue. Bl- I thought they were a blue blood. Somebody told me that they were a blue blood the other day. Clemson's issue, and this is kind of an aside. Clemson's issue, and you saw it against Ohio State in the playoff last year, is that they have never been. They don't have that like offensive line factory that like Alabama does, and that's their issue this year. They their offensive line. We we talked about Oklahoma's offensive line struggling. Clemson's offensive line is just like flat bad. Like they've got a bunch of guys who have never started before, and so they don't have a world class uh, running back to bail them out. And they've got a young quarterback who looks mortal. Right. So I mean the the that's your like. I think my takeaway though is that like it's a wide open season and that outside of Alabama and at this point, maybe Georgia that you could put three through 35, probably in a bag, shake them out. And there's not a huge bunch of difference between those teams. And the same thing in the big 12. I wouldn't disagree with that, but Andy, thanks for jumping on a short notice. Tell us everywhere we can find your stuff. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. uh, Always on smokingmusket.com. You can find me on Twitter at stat. Boy Andy, uh, stats boy Andy with an I. Um, and uh, yeah, so good luck to you guys in the rest of your season. Uh, maybe we'll get to play each other again in Dallas. So. Maybe we'll see you next time. All right. Yep. I'll see you. All right, guys. So let's talk about a couple things. Offensive line woes, right? And we we got a. We got to we got to we got to mention in, in the chat because this is a live pod live podcast, so you guys can actually comment on Twitter, Periscope, wherever you're looking at, and they will show up. But uh, first thing we got to talk about is offensive line was right. I mean, holy crap, freaking wolf! Not at all able to get a push all night. Can't get like even a single yards. It, it's an issue, right? And we've been saying this for the last couple weeks, few weeks, Bill Beatembo, right? I mean, my goodness. 
I mean, the man had the Joe Moore, Joe Moore Award, you know, the, the best offensive line in the country. And then, but his offensive line since then have not been that great. I mean, they've, they've had moments where they've just been, you know, mediocre and then they hit that Texas game where they hit that game where they lose. And then they start to, tr- they, their trajectory starts to go back up. And as far as gelling and actually getting to play with each other, you actually start Andrew Rain for the first time instead of Robert Congle. But then a left tackle, you take Anton Harrison out and you take, when you put Wanya Morrison and it's still nothing really gives. And so a clear offensive line woes in Oklahoma right now, because it's weird. Bob Stoops hired Bill Beatembo. And that was one of like, that was like a, one of the crown jewels of Stoops in his hires. Bill Beatembo in uh, Lincoln Riley, two of the guys from the old Le- uh, Re- uh, Leech Red Raider, you know, air raid offense, dudes that can go offense and dudes that can really coach him up on offensive line and the entire offense in general. And he's now dealing with Bill Beanabo is now dealing with talent that is way far ahead from where when he took over. And now it's an issue every single year. I mean, even when besides the fact that the Joe Moore Award won that I'm sick and tired of hearing about, yes, they won it a long time ago. Who cares? It's calls for balls. What are you doing for me now? And right now, it's not much of anything. They, they're not able to block up front, etc. And there are they were there clean pockets? Sure. But did Spencer Rattler throw those clean clean pockets all the time? Not so much. Last night, if you go look at look at the film or look at the game on YouTube or whatever, there were times that Spencer Rattler actually did have a clean pocket for pass protection. However, because this man is probably spooked by his offensive line not being able to protect him, he's rushing around out of clean pockets. That's something that uh, Peyton Guthrie mentioned today to me uh, and, and others in a group that, you know, that, that that's something that's that's inter- that's interesting. That's important to acknowledge that the man is spooked and he's still throwing off his back foot. So the offensive line woes is something that is going to continue and it's going to get OU beat. I mean, it, it almost got them beat for the last however many games in a row besides Western Carolina. The fact that they're not able to run the ball. It's just terrible. It's not that great. It's awful. You, there's there's no there's really no excuse, especially if you're at Oklahoma. It's just there's really just no excuse. Now let's go to Rattler. So first of all, let's 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 take this comment and let's from 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 Ken Stag from Facebook. He says you guys got something screwed on backwards. Rattler was a five star and number one in the nation. Just a bunch of lip service. I don't know what that comment was in relation to, um, but let's say this: defenses have figured out. First of all, the offense offensive players have come out and already t- said uh, explicitly, "Hey, defenses are." are kind of already know what OU's or OU's calling. They, they, they know the plays. They don't actively know each and exactly play and how it's going to, you know, dial out and how it's actually going to fill out. That's what the defenses know, but the defenses do key in on what exactly to look for on certain formations and they know what to look for now. So it's not new. And so the defenses in the off in, in the offense, the offensive players for the Oklahoma Sooners, they've come out and said, Hey, the defenses know what they, they know what to, they know what they know what to expect. And so, Lincoln Riley is an elite play designer, but Lincoln Riley is a play caller. Sometimes not so much. And of course, if Spencer Rattler hits Drake Stoops or I think uh, Mike Woods, I think it was Mike Woods or Mario Williams, one of the two. 
if he hits them over the top, and I think it was Mike Woods that had to slow down a little bit to catch a ball. If he didn't have to slow down, we're talking about Spencer Rattler going for over 300, and it at least gets the touchdown. But that's not the case. Now, I really, really, really have an issue. I mean, let's, let's talk about Rattler and first. Did he play well the entire game? No. It's a team sport, right? Uh, teams are ensuring that, hey, we can get have a four-man rush on this offensive line and get pressure on, on Spencer Rattler. And then they have two high safeties to make sure that Spencer Rattler is not going over the top. So what do you what do you do with that? You you play underneath constantly, force OU into long drives, especially if they can't even run the ball. And if you're not running the ball and you have to sustain long drives, the teams are not gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna rush four or five guys. They're not gonna rush put, put six seven guys in the box. They're just gonna rush four and put everybody else in coverage because they know a your offensive line can't get the job done but also B, that you're going to have to pass the ball to get those first downs to sustain those long drives. This is how this works. People don't understand this is how this works. But Spencer Rattler in the clutch, after being booed several times by his own student section, those last two drives, he comes up big. The last drive of the game, at his own eight-yard line, I wish he would have scored a touchdown. I wish he would have sent a, a pass and into the end zone for a touchdown to seal that game. Instead. They just get it on for Gabe Burkett, who seals the game himself. Every freaking play was a dart. It was a quick read. My fear was on that last se- on that last sequence when everything was going relatively smoothly. Was this? I was like, hey, he might be predetermining each snap where he's going to go with that ball by reading the defense pre-snap. That was my fear, but that didn't happen in those last two drives. Spencer Rattler actually went down and scored and helped win that game. Those that last series of the game actually showed growth in what Spencer I was doing in those last series. He was stepping into those throws. Now, do we wish he would have done that the entire game? Yes. That's the issue with this. It's the inconsistency of the play. Has he taken, has he taken a step forward? We don't know. Like it doesn't look like it, right? It, it, you can't tell because that's an issue and, and the offensive line isn't giving him much room to grow. I mean, we can blame the offensive line all night. We can say the game is one in the trenches. Of course, those are things, right? The game is one indeed in the trenches. And if you're not winning on the offensive line, if you're running for your life, you're likely not going to do it. And plus, you know, somebody's going to point out, well, look at this screenshot I posted of, you know, West Virginia rushing four and West Virginia dropping seven into coverage. In that one interception that Rattler threw, man, if he puts more zip on that ball and Drake Stoops goes further to the boundary, it's maybe an incompletion or a completion, but it's probably not an interception. And that's, again, that is on Rattler because he had a clean pocket, and he did make a mistake. That is on him. But at the same time, man, it is a team sport. It's a team sport. There are 22 guys on the field, five of them right in front of the quarterback. Sometimes Andy brought up the tight end situation, the H-back situation, those guys aren't going to be effective. You know why? Because they have to keep those guys in the game to chip on blockers or to chip on the defense as blockers because he's not getting enough protection up front. You have to keep your fullbacks in the game. You have to keep your tight ends, but they can't go out running routes because you can't trust your guys in the front of you, the five guys in front, to actually block for you. That's a big issue, but it is a team sport. And so when I think of Rattler, and when I think of people really crapping on Rattler, I'm thinking, well, there are a lot of other dudes that are on this team 
that could make this this sport a lot easier. And what Andy said again earlier is true. Oklahoma not really having that number one wide receiver. Mike Woods clearly was a guy that wanted to win this game. It was obvious. Mike Woods was the guy that wanted to win this game the most because he took the most of his, of, of any advantage. He took the most advantage of any opportunities he had. Jaden Hazelwood is not the same guy. Mario Williams is not the guy that is that was you know that we were led to believe in preseason hype because it seems like we've gotten a lot of weird information that suggested oh yeah the offensive line is going to be good, the receivers are fine. Austin Stogner's coming back. Braden Willis changed the number. He's looks he looks more athletic. A lot of it is is just it, it was just bad information. And so now we're looking at a team where Spencer Rattler maybe has made a jump but he has become spooked by his own offensive line to where he can't do things. And so when we talk about standards, right? Because people booed Spencer Rattler. I've been a part of teams. I've been not part of teams. I've been a part of games where people have booed. That's fine. I was a part of that too. I was a part of that 2014 Baylor game when Baylor came into Norman and just like out route, out route, out route, out route. And they booed the team for standards base that of course the teammates came out and the players came out and we're like, Oh, we didn't appreciate that. Yada. yada. I get that there. That's one thing because I left the game. I left the game early. I left that OU Baylor game early in 2014 because I was like, this is not OU football. This is not up to the standards. I'm out. I got out of there as fast as possible because that was just unacceptable. But to boo one single person, like a 20 year old. Holy crap, guys. Like get like, and I know it's a student section, but my goodness. Now people say, well, he's got to live up to a standard. I wasn't hearing anything about standards when Trevor Knight was the quarterback. I wasn't hearing anything about standards when Josh Heupel was the offensive coordinator. I wasn't hearing much about standards and keeping up with those standards. When Landry Jones was regressing as a quarterback. Oh, but Lincoln Riley puts up 50 points of offense a game and is that has the number one offense in the nation time after time after time after time after time. That's why I said on the timeline that people were spoiled brats, not because of, of, of Spencer Rattler's play, but because of what they've become accustomed to under Lincoln Riley's offensive play calling. And now that they have an offensive line that's not allowing them to do certain things and a lot of other things, and now the defenses know what to look for, it's an issue. And so the fact is that there's a team sport. There are 21 other guys in the field other than the quarterback that are affecting plays. And people need to realize that. Am I sticking up for Spencer Rattler? Is it lip service? No. Did he make mistakes? Yes. Does he need to get better and stop throwing off his back foot? Hell yes, he does need to get better and stop throwing off his back foot. Those are issues he needs to work on. Those are issues that him and Lincoln Riley need to get together on. I'm not not dismissing any of these issues. But... To the fact that you would maybe blame one player and act with say, oh, well, Caleb Williams is a savior. What do you think the defenses are going to do with Caleb Williams? They're going to still do the exact same thing. They're going to rush four because they can get pressure with four guys. And maybe they won't even have the safeties that high anymore because Caleb Williams isn't as talented as a passer as Spencer Rattler is. They might even pull more guys into the box. And so what's Caleb Williams, what's, what's his arms going to do from there? Jalen Hurts, his offensive line was a little bit better to where he could rush around, but it, it's it's a moot point, guys. It makes no sense as far as why people would boo Spencer Rattler, especially like he took it in stride. 
He went, he put together two clutch back-to-back drives toward the end of the game and actually, you know, helped the Sooners win the game. They weren't rushing the ball on those last two series that much. They were passing the ball a lot. And so people need to realize and understand that you can't just put the onus and all the blame on one person. Yes, Spencer Rattler was a five-star player. Yes, he was number one in the nation. At the same time, it's it, it. I thought the booing was so uncalled for, especially like you can boo a team. I get it. Like this, I watched the Steelers today. My favorite team in the league. Trey Norwood even actually played for them today. They're being he was playing a lot. They boo the team because they weren't playing up to their standards. For me. You don't boo a player. You don't single out one specific player and boo them because not only like does that like can that affect their psyche? That could actually be mentally damaging to the product that they're going to put on the field the next series. I mean, like it's it's like you guys think it's like some people think they know better than Lincoln Riley. We we can all be armchair quarterbacks, and Lincoln Riley at the end of the day he will own up to his mistakes. Now. It's up to their it's up to their discretion to fix those mistakes, which I think has a lot to do. I, I wish I could be I I so wish I could be a fly on the wall of what's going to happen uh, this week in practice, because only God knows what Bill Beanabo is going to say on that offensive line. Because Kansas State, Texas Tech, or not Texas Tech, Kansas State and Texas back to back, those are going to be teams that are going to be trying to punch OU in the mouth, and I'm worried. I'm concerned. You should be concerned too. This team, you were thinking before the season started, oh, 12 and 0, going to go to the Big 12 title game, maybe call and maybe win a national title. Now you're looking maybe 8 and 4. You might be looking at 7 and 5. Who knows, right? Because we have not seen the offensive line progress at all. If in and you've seen OU's offensive line not necessarily get worse. I mean, they played a real defensive line in West Virginia. So, man, this game, it, it's not good. It wasn't fun. It wasn't fun for anybody. If you were if you were a bystander and somebody that wasn't a fan of the Mountaineers as the Sooners, you're thinking, man, this is a good game. And West Virginia is taking them down to the wire and might even win the game. But if you're a fan of the sport, uh, yeah, not good. Not good. And if you're a fan of the Sooners, not a good time, right? Why, why would you say anything other than that? And so I digress. The Oklahoma Sooners are going to go to Kansas State. They're going to go to Manhattan. They're going to play a team. Uh, Sky, I don't know if Skyler Howard is going to be back. I don't know. They, maybe, maybe not. He warmed up last week, I guess. But who knows? It's going to be going to be interesting. Uh, I'm a little bit worried for this weekend. I think they have Texas right after that. And if this offensive line does not show any signs of improvement, you guys should be worried too. But anyways, I'm going to get off here. This is a post-game podcast. The defense was gr- the defense was not great, but it was good. The defensive line is fantastic. Uh, Jalen Redmond, without him, OU's gonna OU will need him. They will miss him while he's gone. But the defensive line, I think, that held their own. I think Perry and Winfrey could do better. The the linebackers, once Danny Stutzman gets back, I think you're gonna see a lot of Danny Stutzman. Uh, the, the secondary, Woody Washington out. I think I think the Sooners have developed some depth there. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I hope DeLarian Turner-Yale is back next week. If not, you have Key Lawrence. But the offense, they're good at the skill positions. Kennedy Brooks. Because you, 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 you want to see split-back sets of Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray, but you can't because the offensive line doesn't allow for that. At the same time, Andy's right. You don't have that one. You don't have that number one wide receiver. Theo Weiss, it looked like, you know, he was a guy that Spencer Rattler could throw to. 
Um, he's he's out with an injury right now. Mike Woods, he looked like a guy that wanted to win that game. The best player on the team so far this year has been Gabe Burkich. Isn't it right? Is it, it's been Gabe Burkich. That's sad to think about, but Oklahoma Sooners are 4-0. They haven't lost any games. They're not 2-2 two and two like Iowa State. I mean, it, it's weird to think that because Oklahoma brought, you know, guys, 20, like 20 guys back with starting experience, but I digress. I'm in the post-game podcast here. We'll visit you guys again on Wednesday, uh, previewing Kansas State, talking with the, maybe John Morris of uh, Bring on the Cats. We'll see what comes out the other end of that. Thank you guys for joining me. Um, follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. You can follow us on Twitter at CC Machine. You can follow me at CameraBeanCCM. Thank you guys for joining the podcast live, um, and check you guys later.